reluctantly crouched at the starting line engines pumping and thumping in time the green light flashes the flags go up churning and burning they yearn for the cup they deftly maneuver and muscle for rank fuel burning fast on an empty tank reckless and wild they pour through the turns their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the finish the flags go down the fans get up and they get out of town the arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And we got a mailbag podcast, a victory mailbag podcast. So welcome back, people who haven't been listening to the mailbag podcast for the last month. Justin, how are you feeling? Bobby Skinner, Julian, Patreon chat, everybody listening. What is going on? I got I to gotta get something off my chest. I'm here at the John Boy Media office um, in, in New York. Um, we're going we're gonna to talk about Tay Crowder. Oh, I cut. just realized that. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's nine thirty at night. I just honestly just should have went home, but I decided to hang out. Um, I went to that good burger place that we went to, Bobby. Um, Bear Burger. The, yeah, that Bear Burger, exactly. Not not sponsored. Hopefully they'll be back next year. Um, but I got to get something off my off my chest. And Julian, you're a betting guy. Um, DraftKings is a is a friend of the program too. I looked on the DraftKings sportsbook today. Can you believe that the line as of right now for this Sunday's game? Is minus three and a half for the Vikings. Last At week home? it was it was minus four and a half for the Commanders. I can't the believe Vi- that the Vikings have been having some stinky lines like all season long. I think Vegas just does not believe in them at all. Like I know they were underdogs to the Lions, whatever, two weeks ago. But yeah, I I would put I would put the Giants in more than a three point underdog to them. This is the ultimate matchup between, I guess, like, you know, what the me- you know the media likes to call two of the luckiest teams in the NFL. This is also, I guess, the ultimate matchup between, like, the non-Las Vegas darlings of the NFL. That Vegas just loves to fade both of these teams. But I could not believe when I saw that line this morning. Obviously, we'll talk more about the Vikings during the preview pod. But I, if you were to guess what the line should be, like, in my mind, I'm thinking it should it should be six and a half. Like, I would think Vikings six and minus six and a half. But I don't know. Vegas knows something that we don't. The Giants are going to come out. They're going to win this game. Um, and we're going to be winners two games in a row. And I'm excited. Yep. Bet the Giants. Let's win some games. All right, Justin, before we get into the mailbag podcast, this uh, episode was brought to you by some special people. We got um, Matt Fierig. He is firing, firing. Mm. Sage, uh, man, these these names are, are some. Sage. Uh, Vigliarolo. The next guy's name is Dirty Sanchez. Justin, do you know what a Dirty Sanchez is? Is that a code for sex? 21 Jump Street. Danny Wyman. Or just Dan Wyman. He He's wilding. Uh, Justin Rutson. What's up, Justin? My favorite Justin uh, in this community. Jeff True. Uh, Lewandrowski. Lew- Jeff Lewandrowski. I think I got that. Steven, Steve Faw. We have a Steve Shaw. Steve Faw. He's thawing out from the cold. Daniel Schiffman. Uh, he's on the shift, Colin Burke, and then the last one is just Mr. Hot Dog. Justin, who are those people? Mr. Hot Dog, wow. That was a lot of patrons that you just wrote off, Bobby. And if you want to join, oh, God, burp, our Patreon community, you can go to Patreon, patreon.com slash Giants. $2 a month plus a month of tears to get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets in the mail, and then also twice a month. Uh, Bobby Skinner does some shirt raffles for you. Patreon.com slash Talk Giants. Thanks to our Patreon community. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. All right, Bobby. First question we got to talk about Tay Crowder getting cut. So Giants Daily Trivia 
at trivia underscore NYG. Give that account a follow if you want to. It's basically, it is Giants da- It is Giants trivia that happens daily. What do the Giants do at linebacker going forward? Is it as simple as sign Landon Collins to play more safeties? So we'll talk about that, I guess, in the second half of this conversation. But first, Tay Crowder was released. Tay Crowder was cut. How you feeling? What are you feeling? Et cetera. He was freed. Um, oh, how yeah. I'm f- he, yeah, he tweeted free me. They freed him. How I'm feeling with this is curious. Um, and it's really not about Tay Crowder. And it's about, again, this is year one of this regime. I just want to find, and it's, it's just so annoying that you just know the beat reporters won't get down to the bottom because there's been multiple times where they they can't get down to the bottom of it because they just don't. Um, trying to be nice here. I want to know how this coaching staff dealt with Tay Crowder after that tweet. Because obviously that tweet was really stupid by Tay Crowder. Um, but I just want to know how this like coaching staff treats players when there is an issue. Like, and I want to be like, hey, did Tay Crowder get toxic in these last two weeks after that tweet? Did you know? I know they apologized to him and Rodarius apologized to the team after that game, but Rodarius has been a healthy scratch um, for both those games. You know, he's been you know cornerbacks very thin. He has been a on the inactive list the last two weeks, and then Tay Crowder obviously this past week when they pull, called up Landon Collins. I just want to know how they deal with it because it's it, we can't get it out, and that's good on the regime that they don't let things get out. But there has been a pattern of, like, just, like, guys, they're just not getting along with guys who they didn't bring in with Tony. And, and again, a lot of these are those players' issues. So this isn't like a – how I, I just want to know. Like, I, I think every fan should be curious. It's a new regime. How do they deal with players like this? Because as stupid as it is, as it is for Tate Crowder to tweet that, tweeting that is not enough – for this team to be so thin and linebacker to cut him. Like right, I, I want I want to know more. Like how well, how bad how bad did it get? How did they deal with it? Do they silent treatment these guys? Do they just like deal with them head up? I think that's something I liked about Joe Judge is when there was an issue, he would go to the player and deal with them. Uh example the Golden Tate suspension after that Bucks Monday night football game. Um like that's my question. I I, I want to know because there's been kind of a pattern of this happening with you know Logan Ryan being cut, uh, yeah, you know, the Blake Martinez exactly... thing, like the Blake Martinez thing. There was there was it wasn't just his heart wasn't his. There was part of it. There was issues there. Tony kind of got this. You know they kind of were done with him. I just want to know how they deal with players like this. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was going to kind of go into a little bit. And you brought up a good point. Of it's not like we're talking about. Take for example. You know, I guess a position that we're strong in right now is the front four defense aligned edge rusher. And I guess you got it, you put that with the grain of salt a little bit. It's not like we're we're cutting a defense alignment when there's Leonard Williams and Dexter Lawrence on the team. And we're cutting a linebacker when that is the weakest position on the team. Are there other positions that maybe we need a little bit more, like interior line or wide, especially like a wide receiver one? Yes. But interior linebacker and specifically the Mike linebacker is the weakest position on the team, and now there are really only two guys. I don't count Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown as as depth pieces for going in at linebacker if one of those guys were to get hurt. So that's one of the things that we talked about over the summer, Bobby. Like This even goes back to Logan Ryan. It goes back to Blake Martinez over the summer. It goes back to Kadarius Toney. Each one of those situations are are different. And the, the so the thing that – the reason why we're speculating is because in each of those situations – Probably maybe besides Logan Ryan, I think we kind of got confirmation from the beat reporters that Logan Ryan was a kind of a Joe Judge guy and they just didn't want that kind of voice or leadership in the locker room, whatever. We don't really know what happened with Blake Martinez. We're, we're forced to kind of make our own conclusions, especially looking at like what happened with the Raiders. We don't fully know what happened with Kadarius Tony. So the only things we know about Kadarius Tony, Justin are from us using context because Kadarius Tony is so out there. So it's like, we can kind of figure things out with injury. We have not heard anything about like, how was Tony in a meeting with the, like the beat report or just have given us nothing on Tony, not a single bit of like it's every fans have done more than the beat reporters have on this. Yeah, and there's there's more to this Tay Crowder conversation than just, oh, well, Tay Crowder sucks, so why are you guys spending a few minutes talking about this? Yeah, we obviously know that Tay Crowder is not a good football player, but in a linebacker group that is so depleted of talent, 
it kind of is worth talking about. And also, we're, we're learning about this regime. And clearly, one of the main things of this regime so far, one of the main themes is, if they don't want to work with you, they will not work with you. They just flat out. They flat out will not work with you. They will look to trade you. They will release you in any kind of situation that kind of suits fit and makes sense for them. Yeah, and and my main thing is I want to figure out how, when the Rodarius thing happened, when the Tay Crowder thing happened, how did they, how did they deal with these guys? Because cutting Tay Crowder, while it's probably not significant to the future, doesn't make sense football wise. Because okay, you think Jalen Smith's better than him, but you know Jalen Smith's not good. But if Jalen Smith goes down, are you gonna put Michael McFadden as Mike linebacker? Um. We'll talk about Landon Collins as a second. In a second, I think he should be on the active roster, anyways. Like you know, you didn't need to cut Tay Crowder to put Landon Collins on the roster. No, you could have put Lemieux on IR. Like we we talked about that on Monday. Or cut David Sills, who's been you know a healthy scratch. He's <laughs> use, he's useless to the roster. Um, you know, so it's like if Jalen Smith were to get hurt, it's like well then we need Tay Crowder out there, even though he's not good. Like I think Tay Crowder should have played over him regardless, but that's not even what this is about. So. Like you need you need depth, even though it's that's not very good depth. Um, I feel like there's got to be some solid linebackers on practice squads. By the way, the Giants can bring on the active roster. Um, awesome, but none but no, no but nonetheless, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, we when you see Carl Banks start bashing a player, you can tell that the coach. We talked about it on Lawrence Tynes' podcast when we were on there. It's like you, you know it's there, and then lo and behold, a day later, Tay Crowder's waived. Like I think Tay Crowder playing wise should have finished his rookie contract or at least been like went into camp next year like I think he actually plays he played fairly well in 2020 as a rookie third year playing ever playing linebacker playing next to Blake Martinez it's just the last year and a half he's been thrown into a Mike linebacker role and he's not very good at that yeah I mean Bobby you you talk about this every summer and every year you think your interior linebacker four isn't gonna get run Throughout the throughout a season, well, guess what? Micah McFadden was our interior linebacker number four this training camp. He's our starting weak side linebacker basically for the entire half of this, you know, the second half of this entire season. It's like every year you talk about it. Every year, the like your interior linebacker four or five, the guy that you least expect to get playing time, just always seems to get playing time because that's just how the cards stack up. So I would have loved, I would have loved, and again, we don't know what's happening behind the scenes. Tay Crowder could have had a sour attitude about this, especially with the free yeah. me tweet, whatever. He clearly felt some sort of way about this coaching staff benching him, but I would have loved. Like, think of how successful Tay Crowder is as a seventh round pick and Mr. Irrelevant, the last pick of the draft. He could stink as a player, but the fact that he was out there, he was starting, starting for three years, and then 66% of the time, you know, two out of the last three years, he's been in a spot that isn't natural to him at the Mike linebacker spot. I could, I still consider Tay Crowder a success of a draft pick, even if he wasn't a good or a great player for the Giants these last three years. Yeah. My main thing is I'm just curious is I want to figure out what went down. And yeah, I know our, our beat won't do it because they... They just won't do it. But they'll say afterwards, everyone saw this coming. Um, yeah, Jordan Ronan said it was performance-based. I, I, I don't believe that. True. I don't believe. Why Why did he, if it was performance-based, why did it take him, you know, how many games did he start? He lasted the entire summer. Um, I, I, I don't fully believe that. No, me neither. Um, so, I don't know. My, it's not even about take credit. I just want to know. Like, how, how do they, like, because... With Blake, I asked a lot of questions from people and not the beat reporters because they didn't know anything and they just repeated, you know, what PR people told them. Um, and it was just like the the idea I got is like kind of Blake kind of started getting the cold shoulder from the coaching staff. And I wonder it's like like so these guys were healthy scratches, right? Were they told like you are going like this is your form of suspension, you're gonna be healthy scratches? Or were they just like, Okay, you guys tweeted uh, we're not happy with you. We're we're just making you healthy scratches and kind of got you know not the silent treatment, but just kind of ignored in a sense. That's that's what I want to know. It's like how does this because that stuff matters. It may not matter with Tay Crowder, but it will matter with a player two years from now. You know when we're getting in the play, you know down in a playoff run, and you got to bench, you know this guy for this guy, and but you still need that guy to be deaf. Um, you know so that's that's my question going forward. Um. 
for the linebacker position in general, Justin, I mean, it doesn't look good. So Landon Collins made some good plays, and I broke those down on a social media on a film break on a film breakdown on Twitter. Uh, but he also made some really bad linebacker plays. Yeah, he did. So there is, and I think before before this Tay Crowder stuff even happened, I think Landon Collins def- definitely de- uh, deserves to be on the roster and play because he can create negative plays for the offense that some of the other guys can't make. Like him dipping around the edge on that tackle was really nice. And that third down, like he did some good things. Um, but I also watched, you know, like every play of Landon. And there's also like, okay, this is a fresh face technically who made a couple plays. And as fans, myself including, that you have that syndrome of like, these guy, this guy made two plays, let's go. And you get disappointed. Like kind of with Jalen Smith when he was not pl- when he was playing the will next to Tay Crowder. He made a couple plays like, ooh, this is, you know, guys contributing. Even and Mike McFadden as well. And then and that happens with other positions. So I don't Landon Collins is definitely not an answer to the linebacker issues, but I think he can help. Yeah, I think he can help in certain situations in certain spots, especially if a team decides to run outside the tackles which that has been a problem for the Giants this year, kind of stopping. I mean, they've been having they, – they have trouble stopping the run everywhere, but, you know, misdirection. And if Landon Collins maybe falls for something for a hot second, I mean, his his recovery speed is going to be quicker than any of the linebackers on our team and his ability to flow sideline to sideline, that's going to be quicker. But he does not have the strength it, to, to take on blocks. He does not have the strength to take on offensive linemen when they choose to go to the secondary level. Um, so th- that's where I get a little nervous. If we want to really start talking about Landon Collins being out, being out on the field for, I think, got 40, 40% or 44% of the defense yeah, he snaps. he played like 28 snaps. There was if, one play where like he just w- didn't play his gap and Brian Robinson runs right past him. Yeah, I mean, so he's kind of he, like he he's can't not see a, over the D-line and O-line. He's not a linebacker by trait. I mean, we, we made the jokes when he was with the Giants, especially in you know his latter years with the Giants, we made the jokes that he should move to linebacker, and lo and behold, with the last year with the Commanders, and then you know now with the Giants, he has moved to linebacker. I just he just doesn't have the strength that's necessary for a linebacker to take on those blocks. So I am a little worried if he's going to be on the field more, that that's going to be his issue, kind of getting washed out a little bit. And then also Bobby. The plays in which Landon Collins was on the field playing linebacker, he was the weak side backer. And then Jalen Smith was still on the field. Really, my main objective is how the hell can we get Jalen Smith off the field? Because Micah McFadden is not great. I don't think he's, you know, I think we differ a little bit on opinions of Micah McFadden. But I can I can agree with you that Micah McFadden is a better player right now for the Giants than Jalen Smith. So the whole point of... Uh, it's still frustrating that Landon Collins is going to be on the field and Jalen Smith is still going to be on the field, Mike and McFadden off the field. The thing with Landon that's positive, though, is that this defense with the pass rush and with the secondary so banged up right now, they've kind of lived by. They're like, hey, let's just create negative plays and get off get off the field somehow. Yeah, and he can do that. that he, he did and that's that. what Landon he, Collins can do for you. Yeah, he, he did that a ton with Washington, even when they were – you know, kind of limiting him, benching him, whatever. He he created, I think, you know, last year he tied his tackle for loss career high that he had in 2016 with the Giants where he was kind of lining up everywhere and anywhere. So, yeah, he still can very much cre- can create negative plays. That's definitely in his forte. Yep. All right, next question. Next question is coming from Easy E 123 e at E123Easy. It seemed that despite the numbers, DJ passed the ball well and operated well in the quick game. Is this something that they can sustain and lead to a more balanced offensive attack? We've got a DJ question um, on, on the next one, so we'll kind of give some big picture thoughts on him. Not big picture, but thoughts on him. Um, I want to take this question to talk about Mike Kafka's game plan versus the Commanders. Um, I, it's basically... It's, Kind of, I have the same thoughts as the Monday podcast, but just some more evidence behind it. Um, the more I look at, it, I kind of hate the way that Kafka called the game plan when you look at it as a whole. Like, there's the the elements of I like is I like working the quick game on early downs. My issue is that their whole offense was solely quick game on first and second down. Like it was solely quick game, and you saw with no throws over 15 yards. Like, no throws over 15 yards. And that was essentially the game plan. Like, there is two plays where you... There's one play where I think DJ should just throw it deep because of the options. Like, 
you just should have. It was a third down. They're going to punt anyways. And then there's one other play where he should have thrown it deep. Um, other than that, like they weren't, they like the, the, and that was also on a third and long too. So on early downs, there was no like desire to push the ball down the field from them. And the offensive line is an excuse to not throw the ball a deep a ton, but it's not the, like an excuse to not try it at all. And especially with the success you had versus the commanders two weeks ago, where you got guys open down the field and making plays and it led to scoring points. They just didn't attempt it. And versus a team that plays in those two high shows like the commanders, get them the bite. And, you know, the, the commanders did it to the Giants on the opposite side. So I, I didn't like it was basically a Jason Garrett style offense. Like they ran slant flat a ton and they ran. I charted it. 11 out of the 31 throws were either like curl, curl flat concepts, stick concepts, or all curls. 11 out of the 31 throws were, that's what they were uh, for DJ, you know. And then again, they only scored 13 points in this game, Justin. Uh, one, seven of those points came from an 18 play drive. Awesome drive, but it shows like Daniel Jones played awesome on that drive. Still took 18 plays to get down there. And then three came from just Saquon Barkley and the O-line taking over at the end. Um, so I do like the early down quick game and stuff. And DJ did that well. But you got to have effort to push the ball down the field. Um, you know, and it's great they won this game. But they got seven points from the defense. And they only put up 13 points on offense. That's not a successful a success, a successful offensive outing. Yeah, and Bobby, towards the beginning part of the season... Even though Daniel Jones's average intended air yards was still very, very much on the conservative side of things, they were running more deep concepts, and that was setting up stuff in the intermediate part of the field, or even just throwing nearer at the sticks. This was just a very much a different level of. Cons- I'm gonna. I always mess up this word. Conservatism. Um, am I am I correct in saying that that earlier in the season they were running deep concepts? It's just that this game you know, more they so than really other. throwing it, and it's not about the run pass ratio. It's just with their concepts. It was it was almost exclusively quick game on early downs, and then on, and it's not like on third and long they were really like testing them deep. It was just like we got to at least get ten yards down the field with our route concepts, and a lot of times they were all curls. Um, now the main difference of I want to I want to defend Mike Kafka a little bit because it kind of sounds like we're poo pooing him. Well, Brian I do David. want I do too, but go ahead. So, but they the, when you say that, oh, it's just like Jason Garrett, they run a lot of curls. Mike Kafka, I found especially on third down, they've been running the you know the curl concept very successfully um, on third downs and and even fourth down, uh, whereas Jason Garrett just couldn't find any lick of success no matter what down he ran that on ran, ran that on. But the the original question was um, DJ in the quick game is this something that they can sustain and lead to a more balanced offensive attack if they continue to throw on first down, try to avoid third downs and or just make third downs more manageable. Uh, then yes, um, I I still don't think like you're saying you know mix in some deep concepts, um, you know. Are, so are you saying that the that you want to see more deep concepts, or are you saying that you want or you're advocating for DJ, for DJ to throw the ball down the field more? Because I think those two things are very very different scenarios. Both, but more so concepts. They didn't even run the concepts this week. Yeah. Um. And and I like I like you said I like the quick game passing, especially on first down. Yeah, because like you said, it helps them get, you know, not get behind the sticks, Um, you know, and and we talked about it on the Monday pod, Uh, 11 out of 13 times when they threw the ball on first down, they ended up turning that series into uh, another first down. So I I do like that. And I like that. I honestly, with the personnel they have right now, O-line, wide receiver, whatever, I think with the last month of things just not working, I think they're trying to find their identity. So that's why I'm not like, you know. We don't have this. This was what the fourteenth game of the year. This was the first game where they did this. I think one, it could be game plan specific to the Commanders because they are the one team that played us in two high shells. Um, but I also think they're like, okay, we do got to adjust. Let's kind of find a new identity as we finish out this season and go into the playoffs. Hopefully, yeah, absolutely. Um, the Vikings have also been really, really get bad against the pass uh, over the last five weeks, and I think Patrick Peterson might be struggling a little bit with an injury. Again, stay tuned for Friday, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit more. Bobby Skinner, 
Uh, I want to talk to you about Manscaped before we get to the second part of this little Daniel Jones offense conversation. Hey, fellas, this episode of Talking Giants is brought to you by our favorite producers of Ball Trimmers, Manscaped. Hey, fellas, and hey, ladies. I don't want to lead out, leave out our ladies that listen to Talking Giants. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming are leaving 2022 with brand-new products, of course, because that's what just Manscaped does. Let me guess, all these brand-new products... They go around the whole P theme, preserve, ultra premium package, platinum package. Let me guess. Oh, look, preserve cologne and preserve body wash. Oh, look, it is a P. 2023 is the year to up your hygiene game and smell amazing. And Manscaped wants to help you do so with this special offer. Use code Giants for 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Take the leap into the new year and join 7 million, 7, who already trust Manscaped. 2023 is on the way. And the last thing you want is to be the guy with pubes getting in your way to make it your best year yet. Get the Lawnmower 4.0. It's the leader of the performance package 4.0, or as I call it, the perfect package for your pack. There's too many P's, but I do love a good alliteration. Get 20% off and free shipping with code Giants at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com. Push and P. Remember, that was the thing on Twitter. We all changed our names. We all changed it to the P emoji. Use code Giants. Happy New Year. To your balls. Happy New Year to your balls, Julian. Thank you. You'll be glad you did. <laughs> You'll be glad you did. <laughs> Julian's getting good at this. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's get to Potato Griff Potato Grifter at Grifter 10. It's hard to tell watching the broadcast, and I don't have access to all 22 film. But is Daniel Jones seeing the field better lately? He seemed to miss open receivers earlier and was wondering if that was still the case. I think Bobby's about to start talking about how, no, he was missing them earlier maybe in the season, but the game plan and the approach to the offense has very much changed. Is that what you're about to say, Bobby? Not necessarily. I mean, the first two games he he wasn't, but I mean – and that's why last week I kind of had like, you know what? Like, I'm going to stop being bashful. Like, I'm going to defend Daniel Jones a little bit. And now this game wasn't amazing. Like, if like I know they won, but like he's played much better games in weeks leading up to this. Um, but he's kind of just doing everything right within this offense. Like, he's yeah. he's really not making any mistakes. Like, the interceptions are not just like, like oh, he, they're, they're playing sk-. like maybe the, the scheme is, but like. He's just not making mistakes with the ball at all. Like he's going Bobby. where the ball needs to go. He's being accurate, um, and he's like Bobby. he's 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 going through games almost flawlessly. Justin, here's the issue: is that the one or two plays a game when you watch film, and if you go through a game, it's like there's one or two plays you think DJ should have done this, that's a quarterback should have done this. That's a great game. That is a great game. Like don't just get caught up in the highlights of all other quarterbacks. Most of the quarterbacks make five to ten plays a game where it's like you should have done this differently the issue with dj is those one to two plays are usually like be more aggressive like that's the coaching point on that you know and he should have thrown a slate in on a third and nine but that's the Um, frustrating thing though man and we've said this year in and year out about daniel jones since 2019 now granted 2019 was filled with a shit ton of mistakes too shit ton of mistakes and also thanks nate solder sayonara see you later right that's such the frustrating thing like we uh, breaking news, we don't have Joe Montana at quarterback. Um, J- Daniel Jones ain't Joe Montana, so the one Montana. to two missed missed opportunities that Daniel Jones doesn't get or doesn't convert in a game, like are especially like I my main frustration point of this year is there hasn't been a game of thirty points. There hasn't been a game where the explosive passing offense has been here and they've arrived. Like every missed opportunity that Daniel Jones has is the end of the world. It feels like it's the end of the world. And we say this every week about the deep passing attempts. Every time that Darius Slayton and Daniel Jones don't convert on a deep passing attempt, it's such a big deal because we don't know the next time that they are going to get an explosive play. We don't know the next time they're going to take a deep passing opportunity. And this is such a nuanced, complicated conversation where it could be a combination of quarterback, wide receivers, and O-line, right? But it's just so frustrating that we are in another year and we're still looking at the missed Daniel Jones opportunities as a big deal. The one to two missed opportunities that he doesn't get in a game where, by the way, where, by the way, I I had this epitome and it hit me today. There is such a value right now, 
such a huge value, even when the explosive plays aren't there, there is such a huge value of Daniel Jones and this Giants offense not turning over the ball. Do you know that the Giants offense is number one in the NFL in the lowest offensive turnover rate? They're number one. They ain't number one in a lot of categories, Bobby. And they used to be number one in a lot of bad categories. They are number one in the lowest offensive turnover rate this year. Daniel Jones' interception rate is 1%. He has four on the year. He has about 400 passing attempts. That is insane. That is insane stuff. That stuff matters. And I think Daniel Jones had a quote today. Uh, I think uh, Ryan Dun. I think it was Dunleavy. I've gotten a better idea of what does win in the NFL. A lot of times, it's not what you think. And I kind of think what that's referring to is, of course, you want those explosive plays. And I am I was the lead advocate for explosive plays over the last few years. But also, again, going back to what Jones says, I've gotten a lot, I've gotten a lot better of an idea of what does win in the NFL. And what does win in the NFL is kind of staying on schedule, and especially when you have a running game that helps to staying on schedule, not turning over the ball, and doing enough to win a game. And I know that's not necessarily a ringing endorsement of Daniel Jones, but he is doing what he has to do in this offense to be to be quote unquote successful, and being successful is winning games. Well, that's why he could throw for 160 yards for a game, and you're like, yeah, he kind of did everything he needed to do in this game. Like, and they only scored 13 points, and it's, you know, and it's not like. Trust me, I I was ready to move on, and it's just like he's doing everything right, you know. And and again, if they don't believe, if they, you know, I don't know, like con- like that fourth and nine conversion to Richie James was sick. Like that was great command of the offense. That was a tight throw, and and like you pointed out, him like really getting in Richie James's grill before the snap. Like that was David like House. great taking like control of the huddle because they ran all curls on that, and he told Richie James like. They're going to play in man, and they're going to lag off and play underneath because they know we love to run all curls. He said, turn it into an out route. And, you know, and the, the other corner from Darius Slayton, like was they were all the corners were lagging off. That corner like tried to jump it, and he put it on him. You know, the third and nine, he had three dudes coming up. So he's doing like some really awesome stuff, but the box score stats are boring as shit. And the offense is, is pretty boring, but he's just like operating it really well. So it's like, do you what do you put a print like? It's like what? What are the things you value? Um, you know, so he's 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 running the offense like to a T. Yeah, and and if he does make those mistakes where he's throwing interceptions, he's fumbling the ball within the pocket. His sack rate, by the way, his sack rate's the highest of his entire career. It's higher than it was in 2020. It's higher than it was in 2019. His sack yeah, but I think highest. his sack to pressure rate is better than now. Last year it was really good, but I think his sack to pressure rate um, is is really well too. I'm gonna I'm gonna he look already it up. he already has the most play action attempts in his entire career, and his sack rate is still the highest in his entire career. And he's not you know he's not fumbling the ball at the same rate, especially at the same rate that he was in 2019. Um, so he's taking care of the ball, keeping the offense on schedule, which right now. Like, you know, if this was the first two weeks of the season, we're talking about how Daniel Jones is missing those deep play opportunities. He's missing guys down the field. There aren't those opportunities to be had in this offense with Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins as wide receiver one and wide receiver two, and in the way that they're calling it. And I I would love to call out right now that Daniel Jones is missing those deep explosive play opportunities, but we can't. We just can't realistically sit here and the tell first you that two weeks do we that. did justin yes we did we we, we, we did. looked at com- we looked at his completion percentage which was really good his yards per attempt after those first two weeks and we said i don't care what his quarterback rating is he's playing bad you know and then since then he's totally turned it around so yeah, he's doing what what they're what they are asking him to do and brian dable brian dable kind of kind of backed that up too um there's actually a quote that brian dable had we certainly would like we would certainly like more explosive plays. That helps you score points, Dable said. But he's doing what we ask him to do. There you go. All right, next question. Next question is coming from... This is actually a, a question that I really like. It's coming from Tim at NYG Tim. If you can bring back one player from last year's team for the stretch run outside of James Bradbury, who would it be? Who would it be for you? I am torn... Between, I know who I will pick. 
but I'm so torn. here's the question: Is this week one of 2020? Guys haven't been injured yet, or is this like played majority of the 2021 season? I mean, who, whoever from last year's roster, like you know, I'm okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put any parameters on this because last year's roster was obviously really bad, right? Um, especially the guys that aren't here. But I am torn between Austin Johnson and Evan Ingram. Stop with the Evan Ingram shit. Do I, not overreact to one big game that he had. No, I'm not overreacting. He's to having one. the same amount of yards per game he had in 2020 when he was like a, a focal point of the offense. I would, if you if you put a gun in my head, I would choose Austin Johnson. But that's who I would. Lo- I lo- why I'd Evan lo- Ingram? I don't about. care about why would you? Why Evan Ingram? Because that's it. To me, that's a bad take. He would be clearly a tight end too. He would be not be getting the majority of the snaps. Daniel Bellinger would be tight end one. On, he would not be out there. It, it, and again, this is my See, here's scenario. Here's where I disagree is where player status matters. And if they re-signed Evan Ingram to a one-year deal and also da- drafted Daniel Bellinger, they wouldn't just be like, oh, you're tight end two to Evan Ingram. He well, this is, my hy- this is my hypothetical situation for my for my fake playoff run. And that's what I would do. But again, I I would pick. Austin Johnson is my pick. But I, but I was torn between Evan Ingram and... And Austin Johnson. I also thought about Logan Ryan, too. Logan Ryan would help. Yeah, Logan Ryan would be nice. So mine was between Logan Ryan and Peppers. Like, both those safeties, I think, like, Logan Ryan would really help right now. And then Peppers would just fit well. Like, he'd be he'd be causing havoc in this Wink-Martindale defense. But to me, the answer is easily pre-ACL tear Blake Martinez. Yeah. Like eat like without a doubt like and I tried to I went through the whole roster like when anybody like tra- challenge me on this one no like Peppers is just a guy I like more but Blake Martinez is like the linebacker position is so bad he would make that will linebacker better whoever it was next to him like he just he was a he was a really good linebacker for the Giants you know he was not Fred Warner or nothing but he's a really good linebacker pre ACL tear so for me it, it would be Blake Martinez easily like I think he improves the defense by a wide margin yeah i i really wish we fully knew what happened with him well even even coming back from the ace like we knew blake martinez wouldn't be the same coming back from the acl tear um oh my god but i would give up i would give up my pink my left pinky toe to have even blake martinez with on coming off a torn acl over jalen smith are you kidding me yeah but i'm talking pre-acl tear like no this guy is 100 a really good player blake martinez uh, did you did you think about Austin? Like you gave me so much hate for saying Evan Ingram, and that that wasn't even my choice. I just thought about him. You like no, I didn't think him. about Austin Johnson. That's a, that's an underrated one. I wouldn't go there, but that is an underrated one. Where it's like if we have those three good D linemen. Yeah, that would be. I, I think that's huge for this year because I think if you're if teams are smart, because the Giants just can't play Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams a hundred percent of the snaps. I even think I wonder what they their snaps do though. They, they they really do, but still, like there there are drives where Henry Mundo and Ryder Anderson are out there out of necessity. Justin Ellis as well out of necessity. They do run five defensive linemen sets. They take the linebackers off the field. Um, you know they put those five defensive linemen sets out there. If I'm gonna if I'm a team, I'm running towards Ryder Anderson. I'm running towards Henry Mundo. I'm running towards Justin Ellis and Washington. And they did do. That. <laughs> they, Washington did that a ton. Um, it's just uh. It's just curious as to why they didn't do it more, and we have a question about that coming up soon. All right, next question. Next question is coming from B at B N. How about this? Ben No. How do how how would we say this last name? B N Oyes sixty four. How about that? Why is Nick Gates not the starting center yet? And should I be mad about it? That's what B S. And then Moitz Shil- – oh, here we go. Julian, help me out. Motis M- Mates Chalet. How about that? Motis Chalet asks, is Ben Bredesen an interior offensive lineman we can pair with Andrew Thomas for the long haul? Only asking because he's only 24 and he's been playing well this season. So we have a Nick Gates question and we have a Ben Bredesen question. Um. So, Gates should be the better. The the better. He should be the starting center now that Ben Bredesen's back. Ben Bredesen did look good. We'll talk about his future in a second. One, he's just got a better body of work. 
uh, in his career than John Feliciano. He has a better uh, athletic ability, I think better upper body strength, um, and he's three years younger. And he's just, and I just think he's a flat-out better player than Feliciano. Here's the thing that sucks for us and Giants fans alike. Is Ben Bredesen came back, they rotated him with Nick Gates, and this is the time to put Nick Gates at center. And Feliciano played a pretty damn good game versus the Commanders. Of course. And so that's that's the issue. Like he had now he had one bad play that was very visible in the negative five yard loss for Saquon, but the coaching staff could come right back and say Sa- Nick Gates had the same play two weeks ago versus the Commanders and Jonathan Allen, like the, like the exact same play. Um, that being said, Gates has had the best. He's played one game at center this year. It's the best Giants game they've gotten from a cent- the center spot this year versus the Cowboys. Um, so you should be mad. But the here's the the issue is the coaching staff. Feliciano's their guy. They're gonna pick him to be their guy, and it's not gonna happen. And it's gonna be really frustrating. But it's not gonna happen, Justin. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not expecting it to happen, even though it should. So we actually got a mailback question too that I liked. What, what? How are like John Feliciano and Nick Gates just different players? What does Nick Gates do better than Feliciano? What does Feliciano maybe do better than? Nick Gates. So, I mean, you watch the O-line every week. You know Nick Gates like the back of your hand. So, give us some insight into that. He's better at the point of attack. He's better Who, at who's working. He? Nick Gates. Got it. I said he's better. That's context clues. Nick Gates is <laughs> yeah. better at the point of attack. He's better using his hands and engaging. And then in pass pro, he's just worlds better. His feet move better. He doesn't overextend himself. Like, he just – he has, like – he has longer arms. Like, he's just – uh, you know, like I said, at, at the at the point of attack in the pass pro, like he doesn't get bullied. He doesn't even when he was playing guard, he wasn't playing guard very well. Um, but it's like you compare him to Glowinski, he doesn't have quick initial losses. He had losses, you know, the two not versus the commanders, he actually played really well versus the commanders. The, but the two previous games, he had losses at guard, but they weren't these quick initial losses. So he's got like the feet to recover that those guys don't have. Um and I just think he has a better idea for helping other guys out. Like he knows how to stay connected and then when to go and, and, and headhunt for other guys where Feliciano can just get so lost in his block or helping with this guy that a stunt will come around. Um you know, or you know, you know, the this guy's losing his block and Feliciano's not there to help where Gates was very good at that stuff and that stuff doesn't get noticed all the time. Um Yeah, I'm 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 with you there. I especially I just point to athleticism. I think Gates can move a lot better. Um Nick, I mean, John, John Feliciano you know, just talks about being a – talked all offseason about being a dirtbag. Haven't necessarily saw that attitude. Nick Gates doesn't need to talk about it. He just is. He just lives that. He's just the embodiment of a dirtbag. Again, doesn't talk about it. John Feliciano likes to talk about it a ton. I also – something I was watching in, in the O-line report today, Bobby – so John Feliciano with the decent amount of false steps too, even though like, you know, him and Ben Bredesen, like in duo, there was a duo play where John Feliciano had a false step. It's like, yeah, they're, they're getting movement on this guy, but I don't know if Nick Gates like has like those false steps. I think his, his footwork is pretty solid. You know, he's quick. Um, you know, maybe you can say that Nick Gates maybe isn't strong enough for an interior defense alignment, but I think that's, that's the biggest knock on Nick Gates that he doesn't have the most play strength in the world. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take it from him. So he should be starting, but I, I don't think, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't even think it's going to happen this year. I don't know what's going to happen with Gates. He, he's in the, I talked with him a little bit. And he's like, I just got to put out like he, so he wants to play center. Um, you know, but you know, Gates, he is like, Hey, I'll do whatever, you know, like that's always his mindset. He's like, Hey, if I got to rotate, it is what it is. Um, so he, he, but I think he wants to play center and that's the play. That's the place where we can be like, okay, we kind of have a guy here. You know, where we don't got to stress this position going forward, where it's like the idea, like someone, someone said in the chat, and I've actually seen it on Twitter a lot too, and it's a good point. It's like, well, what about putting Gates over Golinski and you leave Feliciano at center? Well, I think Gates' long term position is center, and Golinski is going to be here next year. So if the team, if the team is going to take a my guy over one or the other, it's going to be to me like Golinski that's, you know, has absolutely, you know, the more vested into him. So, Nick Gates should be the center. He, I think he's just a better player. He has a better body of work um, than John Feliciano. Better ability, and he's three years younger. And honestly, it's just the right thing to do. Yeah, I agree. Did we? Uh, did you touch on Ben Bredesen? Dude, Bredesen looked really good. Um, you know, he got movement in the run game. Like, he did make a difference. A lot of times people correlate, like, like, 
you know, success of a drive to like, well, you like remember the first game of the Titans when they're like, well, Azudu, like they scored their touchdowns when Azudu was on the field compared to Bredesen. It's like, well, that doesn't matter. Like that, those Saquon Barkley runs, like you can correlate those to Ben Bredesen playing. Um, so he looked good. I mean, he was aggressive and pass pro, like really bringing the punch to guys like Jonathan Allen and stonewalling them. Um, but here's like a thing that's not, I guess it is talked about. Bredesen's injury prone, man. Like he got injured twice last year, got banged up in camp, and then, uh, you know, and then missed two months essentially this year, Justin. Like that's my worry about Bredesen. Like it sucks because he's a player who has improved and gotten better. And it's just like, but can you bank on the guy being healthy long term? But he, but he, he, like, he should be the starting left guard going forward, obviously. Yeah, something that Kevin Zeitler had that I saw, especially this week from from Ben Bredesen, is Zeitler had an awesome like eye and foot connection, where I feel just being balanced as an offensive lineman, and you know your your feet moving as fast as your eyes, or or, or vice versa. You, know, you don't want to be caught leaning. I feel like that's so so important as an offensive lineman. I feel like that's just half the battle. Just putting putting yourself in a good spot to be successful. Um, you know, and if you're somewhat halfway strong, then you should be able to hold up and win that battle, win that play. So Ben Bredesen's eye and foot connection was absolutely awesome. This game and his ability to bring the punch, like Bobby said, was really top notch. And it was really fun and really cool to see. So if Ben Bredesen could give you a guaranteed 13, 14 games plus for the next two, three years, would you consider Ben Bredesen as a future piece of this interior offensive line. Say the numbers again. Like if he, if if you knew that you were going to get 13, 14 games plus every single year out of Ben Bredesen for the next, basically in, since he's on his rookie contract with the Giants, his entire rookie contract with the Giants, would you take that? And you would say he is, a, he is your starting left guard for the rest of his rookie deal. Where the Giants O-line is? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You feel you would feel comfortable, but the problem is, is that you can't guarantee that he's going to get give you 13, 14 games every single season. So. Yeah, like he's been like you look at his like pass blocking efficiency numbers and it and it matches the eye test. Like they're top of the league, like for guards, while Azudu and Gwinski are bottom ten in the league. Tough, um, which is which is bad. Tough. What isn't bad is DraftKings Julian. DraftKings Julian. Yes, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is my go-to when betting on the NFL this holiday season. DraftKings has same-game parlays, easy and fast payouts, player prop options, and more. I love the quarterback rushing yards over player props. Daniel Jones, he hits those all the time. Obviously, he's always using his legs. My favorite, Patrick Mahomes rushing overs, love those. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Check this out. Right now, everyone can earn up to 100% boost with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. We've got the Jets and the Jaguars today. Not a very exciting matchup, but maybe throw in a same-game parlay. Maybe a Zay Jones touchdown, Garrett Wilson. I like him. He's really good. I don't know if the Jets will score points, but you'll probably get some good odds on that. Throw those all together, and the more legs you add, the bigger the boost, the bigger your shot to win big. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code JOHNBOY. Place a $5 bet on any NFL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Sportsbook with code John Boy. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Wow. Thank you, Julian. Great I appreciate ad read. you. Very electric. Yeah. <laughs> Next question. Next question. Ju- Julian, give me a good like sports radio. Wow. Like come on. Give me give me. I don't give think me you can do it in them. Wow. No, that was. You may have to edit that. What was the anime wow sound effect? That it sounded goes, like Mario. That goes that crazy was... in the, the Bills TikTok videos. They use that one all the time. You did a Chris Berman whoop there for a whoop. second. Do that. There you go. I there was going to use that for the, the Saquon run, but Collinsworth gave me a good one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Doug Analytics at Doug underscore Analytics. 
what the heck and heck, or why the heck and heck, did Washington stray away from running the ball and stopping the run to end the game? Ron Rivera, dumb. Saquon was much more efficient running the ball versus even boxes, and it wasn't even like we had a deep passing attack to keep them honest. Yeah, it's. I'm glad Doug asked this question because going through the film and I chart everything, I had the same thoughts in my head. I'm like, I was like, the commanders are just not well coached. Like they are just like game plan. Like that's my thing. It's like, do do you guys game plan? Like I know they got a top ten defense and stuff, but it's like, like do you game plan for the other team or you just run your defense? Like maybe you think you guys are good enough to just do that. And I guess they only held them to 13 points, but it's like they didn't stack the box. Saquon, you know. He got over 50% of his runs were against light boxes, and he had 6.3 yards for carry on those. You know, the Giants didn't... I guess they stopped the Giants from attacking deep, so it worked well. And then on the offensive side, like, I like Scott Turner. I think he's like a... I think he's a good example of, like, a solid offensive coordinator, but, you know, his own fans probably hate him. Um, They handed the ball off to Gibson and Robinson five times in the second half. And they got 34 yards on those five, so the average basically seven yards a pop. Um... And they just, they only handed off five times. Like, the, and the only neg- like bad run they had was on second and 10. Yeah. And Doug tweeted this out too. It's not like Washington was, you know, playing, well, they were playing from behind, but I mean, they, 55% of their snaps was spent in Giants territory. So in that regard, they're not, pl- they're not playing catch up in terms of crossing the 50 yard line. And they had 10 plays. 10 of their 63 plays were inside the red zone. That's 16% of the time. So, again, Doug Analytics tweeted that out. So, go give him a follow. They just couldn't finish. They just could not finish drives. And this is credit to Wink Martindale, where the Giants have a top five red zone defense. Um, They they don't allow teams to score touchdowns. And it helped that, you know, one of the the fumbles that they forced was inside the Giants' 10, five-yard line, which really, really helped, too. So, um Run the ball. Hey, Minnesota Vikings, uh, run the ball when you're playing the Giants. And when you're throwing the ball, and when you're throwing the ball, throw it to Justin Jefferson. That's the path to victory for the Vikings. If I, I I think I should. So I've gotten two message requests to go on Viking shows this week. Should I do it and literally just go on the show and say, run the ball a lot? And then. If you face like a third and five, just throw it to Justin Jefferson. Should I just go on the show and say that? Yes. Okay. I'll think about it. Next question, quickly. Let's do let's do this one quickly. Next question is coming from Connor Hall at Conball underscore Sports. What happened to Dane Belton, and why is he fell off by guy you know with guys like Jason Pinnock on the depth chart? Why is he fallen behind on the depth chart? So I totally agree with. Pinnock playing over Dane Belton with Xavier McKinney out just because Pinnock can play center field. Like he's got the speed range. Uh, I think he's honestly just a better, like coming out of the draft. I think both he's a better player. Obviously Pinnock's another year in the league. Pinnock was a convert from cornerback, um, but he's just like, he's a better athlete to, and, and, and really in a real, in real simple terms than Belton. And then with McKinney out, it's like, well, we got it. Like they didn't want, they don't want to play Julian Love at center field like crazy. But I'm surprised he's getting like zero reps. Yeah, like he's I know played... they're playing Tony Jefferson and stuff in the three safety sets, but I'm surprised he's gotten zero reps. He's he played... wasn't horrible when he played. He's played 14 snaps since the Dallas game. He played seven snaps against Dallas, zero against the Commanders in the tie, seven snaps against Philly, and that was probably just going in at the end of the game, and then zero snaps this past weekend. I that's I don't know. It, this could just be the fan in me and not really like the quote-unquote Giants analyst to me, I'm not fully liking that they're not trusting Dane Belton to go out there and do anything or play anything when their number one safety is out. I'm not liking that right now. But here's the thing is I think the number one safety being out keeps him off the field because you have to put Pinnock back there as a center fielder. And it's like now you have like a young center fielder. You got Love out there who's got to play well. And it's like they just kind of want to put a vet out there in Tony Jefferson who can do his job. So I, I don't hate it. Like now Belton's a guy you'd want to put on man coverage on tight ends when you get the chance. Um, so I, I, it's one of those coaching staff decisions that I, I actually don't hate much. Like if they drafted Pinnock, if they drafted Pinnock instead of claiming off waivers, I think we'd all be like fine with playing Pinnock over Belton. But it's just like Belton's yeah. the guy they invested in with a draft pick, Pinnock they got for free. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
All, All right, right last, last question. Last question. Western Mass Giants fan at Zmart58. Hey, fellas, can't believe how much talking Giants history has been made this year. On that note, what has been the wildest or best thing podcasting-wise this year or favorite memory so far? I, I can't really hit, like pin one down, Justin. What's yours? Basically, every time that we do something with other community members especially like a big tailgate a big event so fan fest was absolutely awesome um had a you know had a little flashback that oh shit like nick gates actually drove by (laughs) and he like stopped by before you know he he went in for you know the the practice whatever um you know he stopped by our event and you know kind of got bombarded with autographs and stuff so that was very fun the the eagles uh the commander's tailgate was just absolutely insane the draft was fun too you know i mean that was just 17 hours of live streaming so even though we're not in person like with our community the fact that we spent 17 hours on youtube together through those three days was absolutely awesome so basically for me um any any time talking giants memory wise any time that we spend time with the rest of our community is awesome but then just as a fan as a giants fan going down to tennessee and experiencing that nashville game was one of the best things that I've ever done. Yeah, I'm trying to th- – it's hard for me. Like, training camp was a lot of fun. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, covering covering a Giants training camp was very, very cool. And and I and I, th- I, thought, I thought of that too, Bobby, where we kind of pushed – we pushed some buttons that usually don't get pushed. And what we're doing as, quote-unquote, media members without being members of the media – we're we're doing things differently than basically and I hate to this is really like a big ego statement but I think it's true we're doing things very differently than what a, what anybody has kind of done before because we are media members that aren't members of the media yeah um Jordan, Jordan and I I think Jordan and Dan Dan Duggan have both told us that you guys are media but we're just not media yeah we're not some clowns we're not some random clowns um I will say, like, so you were in the car with me after the Thomas interview, and I don't think either one of us were like, oh, we got to meet Andrew Thomas. Like, I think both of us were like, it's going to be, like, it wasn't the interview that was the cool, it was like, I can't wait to just tweet out that we got Thomas on, because I know people are going to be, like, so hyped <laughs> for us. Like, that yeah. was, that was probably, the draft, I would, I would say the draft, but the draft is every year type of thing, so I'm trying to think yeah. of, like, this year. Um, but training was also... Training camp was a lot of fun, though. Like, training camp was a lot of fun. We got to talk with people. It's Training camp is the time of year where you are working the same amount of hours as you do in the regular season, but it's just kind of fun. Like, there's, not, oh, there's yeah. like really no stress to anything. No. Julian? The, the best memory for the draft for me was definitely Cordell Flott getting drafted. <laughs> Only because, like, I know the, the work that goes on behind the scenes with both of you and how you guys study, like, hundreds of players and know all of them inside and out and it was just like the culmination of Wandale getting drafted which I don't think both of you guys like had done a ton of research on him and then there was somebody in between no I think Azudu, and when, Azudu like, was one of my I think he was my last watch before the yeah. the, the draft star that day and we and drafted then Cordale him. then Cordale gets drafted and Bobby just like dies inside because it's so didn't. funny how this past draft went so first round doesn't count. Wandale was not someone who was on our radar. Maybe I'm just against like short wide receivers, but he just yeah, wasn't on my radar. Like I watched a little bit of him. Um, and then like with the Giants wide receiver room, wide receiver wasn't like the biggest thing, and I just always go for like not the short guys. <laughs> then Azudu was literally watched him hours before he was picked for the first time. Um, Flot had no clue who he was. Bellinger. Bell, remember Justin when we're like we you know we always we don't know if we always will cover the, like this player when we re- preview the the position we're like at least tight end we will because we hit on every tight end yeah. except Bellinger because we didn't have all twenty two film on Bellinger no but he so was a Bell- senior ball guy yeah and Bell so Bellinger was a guy I only watched bro- like I watched him the day be like two days before the draft like he so my la- what I do is I watch all 22 and then the last week before the draft, I'm like, all right, these guys are who are like in the top tens of their spots, but I don't have all 22 on them. And I watch them like Troy Anderson. I can't believe I went the whole draft season thinking Troy Anderson might be good and then watched him. And I was like, what are you people talking about? <laughs> um, Bellinger was one of those. 
Um, Belton was one I didn't watch. And freaking Dane Brugger put him in a mock draft. And I downloaded his film and just didn't watch him. Didn't get to it. Um, Tough. And yeah, that that was a very frustrating draft. Like every draft, it's like we do we have success, but I'm like, ah, we got to do so much freaking better next year. It's one of those things that we will never, I will never come away from the draft and be like, we did enough. No, but I'm excited about our draft coverage, especially you know the future of JM football. Julian, it's your assignment. That's a that's a that's a that's a. I'm going back to my teacher days here, Julian. It's your task to. Look at as many players as possible who are under five nine. That is your that you are taking that. I'm putting that on you. Perfect. All you need to do is get open. You don't need to moss people. You just <laughs> got to get open and find a window and get the ball. Bobby's against this, but this is the new wave of the NFL we're talking about. Yeah, he's no, gonna, the, he's got to adapt to the times. Gone are the days of the Kenny Galladay's of the world. We want I didn't route say I'm runners for six four receivers. I want at least five eleven though. All right, well, that's why Julian gets 5'9 and under. Word up. That's a show. All right, we appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday for a, a very important preview. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go big. <laughs>